This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host Ethan Hamilton. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. Also, if you would like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please contact us there. Quick note on a few shows we are planning on coming up. Tonight, we continue our State of the League series, reviewing everyone's team in our Dynasty League. We just finished a episode we're going to be releasing here pretty soon, uh, last night, with one of the team members actually being part of the discussion of their team. So we're looking forward to releasing that one for you. We're going to be doing a free agency special here in the coming weeks, but we're going to let kind of the free agency kind of or period die down. uh, And uh, so that one won't be coming probably till at least next week. But after the initial set of free agents are with their new teams, we will have a pre-draft special in advance of the NFL draft that starts on April 29th, 2021. And then we will be having night by night coverage during the draft. Make sure to follow our Twitter feeds for full live reactions at TJ three Duncan and at Hammy 2112. And then we'll be doing our yearly post-draft ranking special, probably the same mock draft that we did last season, uh, to get you ready for the summer before we start our special rules series. You won't want to miss out on any of it, so like, subscribe, and review the show to make sure you are going to be part of the fun as we go forward. So, as I said before, we're going to continue doing a few mini-episodes on each member of our league's teams, and next up, under the microscope, is Dynasty Football Team. Let's start out position by position. This team uh, finished last year as the fourth overall team, although it lost in the first round of the playoffs and then lost a couple of consolation games. So ultimately it will have the sixth pick in this year's first round. And uh, currently on their roster, they ended up uh, at the end of the year with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback as their primary starter. Uh, Daniel Jones is on the bench, Gardner Minshew the second who I can't imagine would be starting going forward for Jacksonville. And unless I'm missing somebody, I don't see any other major quarterbacks on the roster at the moment. So how would you assess his quarterback position? Well, Tannehill, he I he was a member of my team before I dropped him, then Dynasty football team picked him up. He went 33-7 and seven this year. Like, unbelievable. He went on a tear once he left my team. But, you know, I had Kyler, and I just have a hard time starting somebody over my studs i talk about that all the time so you really just got to wonder now there's no Corey davis anymore in tennessee aj brown is kind of by himself now but i think he's a stud i think he's one of the top five dynasty wide receivers in the nfl right now you kind of got to wonder still like who ryan Tannehill really is do you really have that much faith in him but you can't you can't deny what he did last year no, I, I like Daniel Jones to potentially make a move forward once they get the full offense together. Saquon Barkley's in there, and they've always been kind of that healthy step away from being competent. So I think that one could be an upside pick that you didn't really have to spend a whole lot in order to do. And Ryan Tannehill is a serviceable quarterback. He's not going to necessarily win you games, but he's not going to lose you games either. I will say that both Ryan Tannehill and Jonathan Taylor had better seasons after they left your team, so I would put it out there that your team maybe is coached by Adam Gaze. Just a just a thought. All right. No comment. So no comment. Let's move to the running back position, which 
kind of got an upgrade this week. Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, Antonio Gibson, who was one of his lone draft picks that panned out this last year, free agent James White, and uh, Philip Lindsay, who's still in that kind of weird two-headed monster shell with Denver, as well as Ty Johnson for the Jets that finished the year, and Matt Breida, who somehow is still on the Dolphins roster. So how would you assess his running back position at the moment? I'd say in our league, it's kind of middle of the road. You got to like Aaron Jones. You got to like Austin Eckler besides the injury problems. Antonio Gibson, I was not a believer that he could make the switch and be an effective running back, but he proved me wrong. He had a really good rookie year, but you got to wonder how high the ceiling really is for him. But I'd say, you know, middle of the pack, you're not upset, but most definitely looking for an upgrade if you could. As being the primary back in the Washington system last year, he took a lot of pounding, and I don't think he was fully up to the capability of doing that, which is why towards the end of the year he was out with a lot or with that injury. I don't know if he can be the full-time back or sustain that. He did bulk up apparently during the offseason in order to maintain that and uh, going from his wide receiver weight to more of a running back weight, but it still gives me a little bit of pause. I don't know what Austin Eckler is going to be because the offense was very different last year by the time he got back into it with Justin Herbert. And he's a very talented player, but I just don't know what system they're going to be running and how many targets he's going to get. Philip Rivers loved to dump the ball off to him. If he's not going to see the same amount of targets, I think his value plummets from what it was a couple of years ago. Aaron Jones, you'd expect to pretty much be back to the same type of player. He'll be a top 10 type running back being back in the Packers system. I just don't know his longevity past the next couple of years, how that's going to go. Or uh, if Green Bay stays more consistent with not trying to overload him too early. I know they were concerned in free agency about his weight, his durability, because he's kind of an undersized back. He's an explosive player, but I think he does seed a little bit of time during the regular season essentially the fantasy season, to A.J. Dillon, who's going to be able to take more of the workload away from him next season. As far as the other guys, I mean, James White is a free agent. It depends on where he lands. I really don't see Philip Lindsay as a guy that's probably going to be on this roster going forward past that. But I think you might be able to credibly build around Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, or Antonio Gibson, at least with the way that you would expect them to be projected going into next year. Let's go over to wide receiver then. He starts this team with two, I would say, variable studs. Terry McLaurin, who kind of underperformed last year, but you'd expect to kind of make a kind of a comeback. Stephon Diggs, who was one of the fantasy steals of the year, especially in redraft leagues, kind of coming from nowhere from what we thought at the beginning of the season to be Buffalo's absolute stud and a top five finisher at the position. He also has Jarvis Landry, who had a really great second half after Odell Beckham Jr. went out. Curtis Samuel, Demir Bird, for some reason. Tyrell Williams, who is now a newly minted Detroit wide receiver. And Nikhil Harry, the former first-round pick for New England. So, obviously, he has some depth at the top. But I don't know if he's got much past those first couple of lines for wide receiver. Is this one where he has to retool and he has the ability to do so in the draft this year? Or is this one where you feel for pretty comfortable in him investing in other positions? Yeah, I mean, the floor kind of just drops out after those two. 
For me, I guess looking at his team, and we're going to go over tight end, but he's got a pretty good tight end. For me, looking at his team, I think his running backs are serviceable. I agree with everything you said about Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon getting more work during the season than kind of saving him. Because Aaron Jones, he de- he kind of does take a lot of awkward shots as well. Austin Eckler, for sure, he's an injury questionable, you know, question mark every single week. But I think I'd still go wide receiver, maybe even the first couple picks, because the floor just drops out with the, his top two in Scary Terry and Stefan Diggs. I think Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler, you can float by as long as they stay healthy with an Antonio Gibson as well, enough to go out and take a wide receiver. That, that, that's what I would do personally. I'd be trying to load up in as much low-grade talent as I could, and if I can flip maybe Diggs or Aaron Jones for something that's a little bit Darren Waller, uh, any of those guys for more picks or younger guys at at different positions to rebuild, I think that's where this team is going to have to be at. We already kind of have buzzed around it, but tight end, he has Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, and really there's not much else to to talk about when you get to those positions because both of them were going into last year guaranteed top five locks. And for most of the season, you would say that they are absolutely in the top five at the position. Darren Waller was the clear number two behind Travis Kelsey last season, partly because Kittle was out. And Mark Andrews had several weeks where he was the number one tight end, especially late in the season. So I think at tight end, this is probably his strongest group. It's the one real advantage that this team has, and especially having two of them. I know that he was looking at the deadline at possibly unloading one of them, and I'm not entirely sure why he didn't, other than maybe just to hold for better prospects down the line. But with the where this team is at currently, I guess, how do you see this tight end group? Is it more of a millstone around his neck or an advantage? I think it's an advantage because you never complain about having talent on your team, even if you play them or if you flip them. I know I was trying to get Darren Waller towards the end of the season, and our trade just kind of fell through. I agree with you 100%. I would have tried to get rid of one of these two tight ends towards the end or replenish some part of your team. But I, I, I'm never going to complain about having talent. I suppose that makes sense as far as I'm concerned. I I get your argument. I do think it can be a double-edged sword, though, because you're not normally going to be starting two tight ends in a given week. And while it's good to have a backup, a guy of Mark Andrews' capability, you're probably going to start Waller just about every week. But Andrews, you can't really leave on the bench either. And so that does create an issue where you have kind of almost too much of a surplus. It's like having two really, really good quarterbacks Yeah, it's somewhat of an advantage, but how much of an advantage? And are you disserved by having both of them and not trying to figure out a deal to make sure that you can capitalize on having that asset? I know that the the buying price was low, but yeah, that's also that's also a tough position too because as talented as they are, we all know how unpredictable that tight end position can be in fantasy and how unpredictable and unreliable it can be. So I understand oh, where you're coming from as, as well. It's, but you know, that, that's why I would, I would have flipped it. I would have traded them as much as possible because you don't want to have two guys that are essentially the same. Depending on where things stand, a good tight end that's younger 
that can really capitalize on where they're at in their career, I think has more advantage than a guy that's maybe 25 or 26 at running back. It, it, depending on age, and I think that will eventually come out in our value or value rankings that we're starting to put together, starting to conceptualize. But you just have to conceive of these things in a little bit different way because tight ends have a longer career possibility. I mean, Travis Kelsey is what 31, 32, so yeah. he's lasting pretty much forever and doing some incredible things. Whereas Todd Gurley is going to be out of the league here and. He's not even 27, I think. So it, it just, it really depends. And those positions don't take nearly the same pounding that running back does. I think he can move one of those assets because it is an advantage on a week-to-week basis. You can ask for a little bit more at tight end. But I think that the advantage play is that at some point he has to move one of them, probably by the end of the season in some regard, in order for the benefit of his team overall in the long term. Now, let's just take a quick look at their 2020 draft results. Now, this current owner took over midseason, and if there's ever a time to signal that uh, you should show up to your fantasy draft, it might be this draft roster. Now, we have talked ad nauseum about the David Montgomery trade that went down in this league, that David Montgomery went one way and, I think, a player— for a first and second round pick in two consecutive drafts. So this team in particular had two first round picks, two second round picks. How it shaped out, pick number three, the San Francisco defense. Pick number 10, Harrison Butker. Yes, a kicker. Pick number three at number 13, Antonio Gibson. A good pick by most measures. Now pick number four at number 20, the Pittsburgh defense. Out of your first four players, two defenses, one kicker, and a serviceable player in an absolutely loaded draft class. And people wonder how I ended up with Cam Akers, Michael Pittman Jr., Justin Jefferson, and Brandon Ayuk out of that draft. I point exhibit A. Yeah, nailed it right on the head right there. Absolutely. So I guess there's only one thing left to decide. What tier is this team in? Uh, This was a team that won the league championship the previous season before last. And so they would have been in the title contender beginning last season. How do you see them going into 2021? Are they a title contender on the rise, declining, rebuilding or basement dwelling? Now this one's kind of tough for me because there there's potential that's there. It's just, you haven't been able to get younger because the dude hasn't showed up to his draft the last two years or whatever. So I guess I'm kind of in the between with declining and rebuilding, but I could also feel like he could be on the rise too because I kind of like his running backs and his top-tier wide receivers. Like I feel like Stefan Diggs can take him a little bit. So I guess I'm going to go with declining. I'm going to go with declining for one very important reason. I think all of the players, all the major players on his team, maybe with the exception of Terry McLaurin, have already had their best season. You think about Stefan Diggs probably will never have a better season than last season. I very much think that there's no way he's going to be able to top what he did last year. Aaron Jones had, I think, 19 or 20 touchdowns two years ago and had uh, 1,500 yards from scrimmage. He'll probably never do better than that. Austin Eckler, the same thing. Darren Waller had an explosive season last year, a really great year the year before. I don't know if he'll ever get back to that. 
other than McLaurin, who I don't think we've seen the complete ceiling on, I just don't see another huge year out of these guys that's going to be above what they're already at. And so you would put this maybe in the rebuilding category, but I haven't seen signs of rebuilding that he's actively trying to make moves to improve his team for the long term yet. I'm not sure if he's had enough time to adjust to what Dynasty is in the same way that our guest yesterday, Ed, has where he had a little bit longer tail to kind of figure things out in the full season to kind of acclimate himself to the thinking that is Dynasty League football. Tim will probably get it over time, but I don't know where he is yet, and he hasn't really made any big moves. I think the obvious one is getting or offloading either Andrews or Waller for other assets, and that has possibilities yet to come. But once he makes a move that says or signals that he's in the rebuilding, I just put this uh, team in the declining category. Yeah, I feel like once the draft happens, I feel like he'll be in for a rude awakening and then it'll kind of wake him up to like, holy shit. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you as well. One hundred and ten percent. He's got some work to do for sure. And he has all of his own draft picks for uh, the first seven rounds and he should have the sixth round or sixth pick in each round. So, I mean, he's got an opportunity to make good on it. I don't think he'll be able to resurrect himself at running back, but he could very easily stack up three quality wide receiver picks, maybe a tight end, a quarterback, uh, something to build on the team long-term that's some younger talent if he kind of goes in that direction. All right, thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We appreciate you. We will be back again soon to continue our off-season coverage. But until then... Wear a mask, everyone. Talk to you soon. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our technical provider and distributor is Anchor FM.